Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. John chapter number 9 this morning. Sometime back, the Lord brought this very familiar passage to my heart and uh, kind of jotted down a note that I'd like to circle back around to it. And as I was studying and preparing for this morning, the Lord immediately brought me back to this chapter. And uh, if the Lord will help me, I want to go quickly through this whole chapter. Okay, we're just going to read through it. Uh, but we're not going to read it all at the front. What I'm going to do is we'll just read a few verses to open up and we'll ask the Lord to help us. And uh, y'all pray for me. We'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I feel unworthy to stand in this place. Amen. I feel unworthy to be the one who, uh, who's here this morning with what is supposed to be a message from God. Uh, I've been a preacher since I was 14-ish, 13 going on 14. I announced my call to preach, surrendered to the Lord, leading my life in that direction. But I, and I just turned 36, so you know, you'd think 22-ish years of preaching, surely by now I'd have it figured out, right? Uh, but unfortunately, there is no figuring it out. I need God's help. Amen. I can get up here, I can put together an outline, and I can talk for 30, 45 minutes, no problem. Uh, but I, I need God to do something. Amen. I need a true work into the Holy Spirit of God. And so if you'll pray with me this morning, we're going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to pray. I want you to pray with me that the Holy Spirit will have His way in here this morning. Amen? The Lord has put a a lot of messages on me here lately that are based on salvation. Have you all noticed that? Now, why would the Lord want me to preach on salvation to a bunch of saved people? It may be that the Lord is intending for somebody to be here who's not here, and and I'll concede to that. But I also know right now there's some some little ears under the sound of my voice who don't know the Lord. Amen? Salvation is the most important thing there is for us. That's it. Jesus and His salvation is the most important thing. So, so let me encourage you before we get into the sermon this morning, let's, let's listen to what the Lord has to say. Let's, let's take care to not do anything to distract anyone next to us. You say, well, Brother Paul, I know I'm saved. Amen. But you don't know the person next to you is. They may say they are, but you don't know they are. Amen. So let's just turn in our hearts from now to the end of the invitation, till the last note is played on the invitation, let's, let's give the Lord our time, let's give Him our hearts, and let's try our best not to, to be a, a, someone who is helping and conducive. Amen? That goes for me and you and all of us. Let's all work together and pray together that if there is someone here this morning whose soul is hanging in the balance, that they will not leave without getting that settled. Amen? Amen. John chapter 9 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh, When no man can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is my interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You, God, for Your salvation. We thank You, God, for loving us, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for this day that You've given us. What a beautiful morning. And God, what a privilege to be saved this morning. God, I pray if You would, Lord, that Your Spirit would have His way in this place. God, I pray if there's one, uh, Lord, under the sound of my voice, God, who knows that they're a sinner, God, who has never put their trust in 
in the true gospel, Lord, never put their trust in the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray that today, Lord, though they came blind, they might leave seeing. We love you this morning. We ask you, Lord, that your power would settle in. Lord, help me, Lord, to preach not as one with knowledge or understanding, but as a vessel, Lord, that is empty of self and filled with your Spirit. God, I pray, help each one here tonight, Lord, this morning who is saved, that they would have a, a mind and a heart toward the Spirit this morning. God, that we would hear the Word, Lord, as you deliver it to us. Reach that one who is lost today. We love you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. John chapter 9, we see here one of the most <clears throat> well-known, I would say, passages in all the gospel. Uh, often spoken of how this blind man, not the only blind man in the gospels who received his sight, but one here uh, where we are given a very unique perspective. For most of this chapter, the Lord Jesus is not on the scene. He's there in the beginning, <clears throat> and then He will return there at the very end of the chapter. Uh, and from verse number 7 down through verse number around in the 30s here, around, so I'd say around verse number 33 or so, uh, it is just this man and what happens to him after the Lord comes to him. So I want, I want us to see that together and look at it <clears throat> and understand some things here about it. So go with me quickly. I want you to see verse a divine appointment in verses 1 through 5 as we just read. How that it said Jesus passed by. Just like that song we sang a moment ago. Let me say this. Jesus never did anything by accident. And we know by reading the Bible how that Jesus told us again and again uh, that He went where He was led by His Father and by the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, we read how the Lord Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In John chapter 4, we read uh, how that He went into Samaria. We said, I must needs go through Samaria. It was the Lord uh, knew where He needed to be when He needed to be there. Amen. Not one appointment, not one divine miracle that the Lord performed happened just because the Lord so happened to be there. He didn't so happen to be anywhere. He was exactly where He needed to be when He needed to be there. Amen. And the reason He went to that woman of the wells is because He knew she was going to be there. And the reason that He passed by this particular street on this day is because there was going to be a blind man there who needed His sight. Amen. Say, so, well, how do you know that? Well, read it here in, in verse number 2. We see the disciples, they see him and they ask, Master, who did sin, this man or his mother, that he would be born blind like this? And Jesus taught them something right there. He said, this man was not born blind because of sin, but so that the works of God, the works of the Father, would be manifest in him. So what does that mean? God allowed that man <clears throat> to be born blind so that one day his son would come to where he was and give him his sight. Amen. That was God's plan for him. It was not a divine happenstance. It was a divine appointment that God had assigned this man to this uh, struggle and this storm so that the Lord Jesus could show His strength in relieving him of his blindness. Amen. And I'll say this. Thank God that the Lord loves us enough to set divine appointments so that He can come to where we are when we need Him. I'll tell you right now, when the Lord came by and the Spirit began to speak to my heart as an eight-year-old boy, and I began to hear Him calling me to Him, it was not an accident that I was there. It was not an accident that I happened to feel the Holy Spirit. The Spirit didn't show up for somebody else and I happened to get caught up in it. He came for me. Amen. Just like He came this day for this blind man, this divine appointment. What a great blessing it is that the God of heaven cares enough about this man and his plight to go where he is, to seek him out, and to save him from his distresses. We see not only a divine appointment, we see a different approach. Look at verse number 6. <clears throat> it said, When he thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now we're not doing an in-depth verse-by-verse look at all this passage. We could take our time and we could look here into some things that are interesting about this passage. For example... What significance does the Lord's saliva have in verse number 6? Now, that's a weird thing to say. Well, I believe He had the DNA of God. Amen. So we could look at that and we could talk about what that means and why the Lord did it this way. But let me ask you a simple question. Could the Lord have said, may your eyes be open, and suddenly that man have had his sight? Had He done that before? Did He not say to Lazarus, come forth? And He arose and came out. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that God created all the universe 
by speaking it into existence. Hebrews tells us that He upholds all things by the word of His power. But the Lord did not use His spoken power to heal this blind man. Why would God heal him differently than others whom He has healed? Well, I believe it's because of a very important lesson He wants us to see in this different approach, and that is this. In the case of this miracle, the healing that this man sought would not come until he had performed the task appointed to him by obedience to the Word of God. When did the blind man receive his sight? After he washed in the pool of Siloam. Not when the Lord spoke to him. Not when the Lord put the the clay that he had made with his own spittle and the dirt onto his eyes. But only once he had done exactly as the Lord had instructed him, and he had gone to the pool of Siloam and had washed it, then did he receive his sight. So what's significant about that? Well, let me say this. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So what the Lord, I believe, is trying to show us in this verse is very simply this. Obedience is the most important thing in the eyes of God. What He wants from us is our obedience. Amen. So how how did this man get his sight? By obeying what the Lord Jesus told him to do. Anybody might have said, man, that dirt on your eyes is not going to give you sight. There is no point in wandering blindly to the pool of Siloam and washing off. Nothing's going to happen. But by faith, the man not only heard what the Word said, but then he obeyed what the Word told him to do. Amen. There is only one way to heaven, and that is obedience, the Word of God, in believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Obedience is important. It matters. We see not only this uh, different approach, we see it drew attention in verse 8 down through verse 13. Read with me. The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said... Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Amen. He's sitting around. People are, all of his neighbors and those around are talking about him. And they're saying, is this the blind man who, who sat here and begged all that time? And, and he says, oh, oh, oh uh, uh, no, yeah, I think it is him. And somebody else said, no, that's, that's not him. There was something so different about him that some people who had seen him every day begging could not even figure out if it was the same guy. But he spoke up for himself. He said, I am, I'm he. Verse 10, therefore said they unto him, How are thine eyes open? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. And they said unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. And they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. So we see that his, his healing drew attention to himself. Imagine how different he must have appeared to them in that moment. Going from being this man who every day sat by the wayside there begging, it said. Is this not the man who sat and begged? Amen. Y'all have uh, no doubt seen people who were doing this very thing. Pull up to a stoplight and there's someone holding up a sign. I remember being in Madrid, Spain, when I was in college. I went over there for a week and when I was there... I remember walking around in Madrid, this major city in Spain, and seeing people everywhere, especially in the main center of the city, near a place, uh, a great plaza where people come to sit. You walk down the main street that would head to this great plaza, and there were just people on both sides of the road just sitting on mats with bowls out in front of them begging. I remember one, I saw a a, a couple ladies, they had to be, they were older, I, I would assume they were probably in their 50s, maybe even older, and they had no legs from above, right above their knee down. They could not walk or get anywhere. The only way they could get there is they had to have help. They were extremely overweight and unhealthy, and their legs were shortened, and they just looked, I mean, just bedraggled. And, and I, I thought, my soul, what, what must have happened to bring these two ladies here, twins? And my thought is they must have been born that way. They had the same defect, the exact same issues. And seeing them there, those lame women, I just thought, wow, you know, what, 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 a, what a difficult life they must have led that it's never, I've never forgot seeing those ladies. Well, here's this man who sits by the wayside who has no sight, and the only way he has of feeding himself is begging. And that day there was no, there's no programs for the blind. 
Amen. There's no service center in the community where they could go and get help or, or any aid. No, they were, just, they were just left to themselves. And the only way they could survive was by begging. And suddenly, that same man, who they had no doubt seen begging and maybe even dropped a coin in here or there to help him, they see him walking around, his eyes wide open, talking to everyone. And it's so different that they think, this can't even be the same guy. What a great attention it drew to himself. And I want to say something to you. When he had drawn that attention to himself, the first thing he did is point their attention to the one who gave him his sight. He had a testimony. And that testimony was, there was a man called Jesus who made clay, and he did this, and when he did, I received sight. You know what they said? Where is he? Amen. His testimony was one of such power and such influence that when they said his, when he said his name, they said, where is he? Amen. I want to see what he's doing. I want him to do something for me. Drew attention to him. Then we see a dispute arises in verse 14. They brought him to the Pharisees in verse 13. And I believe they probably did that because they thought, wow, if this man is from God, the Pharisees will know about him because they're, they're God's people, right? Well, they took him to the Pharisees, verse 14. They brought the one who was blind, and verse 14 said it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. He said unto them, He put the clay up on mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Verse 16, Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Well, let me say it's at least an encouragement to know that there were at least a few of them who had some discernment. But there rises this dispute among these men who are supposed to be godly men. They're supposed to be the, the spiritual leaders of the day. And they begin to debate and to argue amongst themselves. And the topic of their argument is, is Jesus a sinner? They should ask me, I'd give them the answer. No, He's not a sinner. But what it is, they say, well, He's not keeping the Sabbath. They say, well, did Jesus break the Sabbath? No. No, the breaking of the Sabbath is something that was outlined by God, but as time went on, the Jews began to latch more and more and more requirements on to the law that God had given. Now, there were specific laws that God had set for the Sabbath they were not to break. Uh, you know, you can read in the Old Testament when the manna would fall from heaven that God told them, there'll be no manna on the Sabbath day, don't go out and pick it up. And by the way, that's not Sunday, that's Saturday. Sunday is the Lord's day, not the Sabbath day. But they were commanded not to work on the Sabbath. They were not commanded, however, to never heal a blind man on the Sabbath. But they did have some crazy things that they had added into their oral law to the point that the Pharisees were so caught up in the small, little nitpicky things that they could not see the very working of the God of heaven when it was right in front of their eyes. And let me say this in warning. God help us if we ever, in a cynical spirit, nitpick every little thing that is going on when God works outside of our own purview. Now, I'm not talking about heresy, okay? There is heresy out there. And anyone who would say, Jesus is not God, is a heretic. Anybody who would preach any gospel outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a heretic. But I want to point out that Paul said this in the book of Philippians, I believe it was, he said, there are some who preach Christ and they do it out of strife. Their whole reason for preaching Jesus is they hate me, he said. He said, but I'm just rejoicing that they're preaching Jesus. Amen? Now anything done out of envy and strife and spite, that's not going to get you a blessing from God. But Paul said, if they're preaching Jesus, I happen to believe that God can use anybody anywhere to reach somebody with the truth of Jesus. Amen? I think sometimes, especially, especially, in, and I don't want to give any credence to those who would draw a target on Bible-believing Christians, but let's be careful to never let nitpicky things keep us from rejoicing in the working of God. Amen. That's exactly what they did. They got so caught up in it that we see their desperate attempt in verse 17. They could not agree on whether or not Jesus was doing the work of God, or whether he was a sinner. So you know what they did? They tried something else. Then they said to the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? 
And he said, He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. They couldn't agree on Jesus, so here's what they said. You know what? He probably wasn't even really blind. This is all a big hoax. A great, a great thing put together and planned by Jesus to try and sneak in and, and do, do I don't know what exactly. I guess steal the hearts of the people away from them. I don't know what they thought he was trying to do. They said, this man must not have even been blind. This is all a line of hoax. You know what they do? They call his parents. They get his parents in there, and they ask them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? And then how doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. For who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should, put, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. So their, def, their desperate attempt is this. They couldn't fit what God was doing into the box they had made for God to be in. you hear what I said? Now, there's a box that they had created for God. And the box, let me say this, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. The box they had created for God was not the Scriptures. It was built by their own tradition. You can read, Jesus tears their tradition apart throughout the Gospels. They had some crazy stuff in their tradition. Things about the Sabbath were literally sometimes, if you dropped something, you weren't allowed to bend over and pick it up out of fear that you might break the Sabbath. I mean, the strangest things that they added on to, added on to, and added on to God. And can we all agree there's sometimes things like that have been done in our faith? Things that are not based on the Word of God, but they're based on culture. They're based on preference. Amen. This ain't my message. I'm just trying to show you something here. That sometimes there are things that we want to put God into a box. And when we hear about God doing something over there, and maybe over there, they're not just like us. Or over there, we don't like this one that's over there. We don't like that one that's over there. And so we say, you know what? That couldn't have been God. They ain't even really saved. They're of the devil, not of God. Well, let me just give you some advice. You're not God. Amen? Our ways are not His ways. And when God is doing something, the worst place you could ever be is in the place of the Pharisees pointing a finger and saying, I don't think God's in this. When God's over on the other side of it going, here I Jesus is literally God, and He's the one they're pointing a finger at. Amen. They are so cynical that they start desperately trying to draw up things that do not exist for the purpose of trying to take away the blessing of what God has done. Amen. What a horrible place to be in. We see their divertive assertion here in the next verse. Verse number 23, they again called the man. They've called him. They've asked him questions. They've let him go. They've called his parents in. His parents didn't tell him what they wanted to hear. So they let them go. And by the way, this is the point where you're supposed to say, you know what? I think Jesus healed this man from the blind. He must be of God. But they refused to let anything break through the way they wanted to see it. So they bring him back in again. All right, we got you here again. Their divertive assertion is this. They're going to try and divert him away from saying that Jesus is even a prophet. Now this man did not say Jesus is the Son of God because he has not yet been fully converted. We're going to see that here in a minute. But they did ask him, who do you think he is? He said a prophet. They don't even want him saying that. They don't want him giving any credit to Jesus. Look what they say in verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. That sounds a lot like those in our day who would say, you can pray, just don't pray in Jesus' name. You can testify and you can say you're, you have faith, but don't say you're a Christian. There's one problem with that. Jesus Christ is the expressed image of God's glory. The Bible tells us, at the beginning, Jesus told those disciples this very thing. The whole reason that man was born blind is so that the works of the Father of God could be made manifest in him through his Son. The point of the miracle 
was so that people would see the miracle and believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They didn't want that. So they tried to divert him. They said, you're you're just a poor old blind man, beggar. You don't know anything about God. You don't know anything about the things of God. He said this, trust us. We, you know, the spiritual, we know that he's a sinner. Don't give him glory. Don't even say his name. Give God the glory. Now let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question. Is there anything wrong with giving God glory? No, of course not. The problem was, Jesus was God. And you cannot separate Him from God. You know why? Because He said, I and my Father are one. And there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And it is not Jehovah. That's not the name. The name is not God. That's not the name. The name is Jesus Christ. Only by faith, In Jesus Christ can we reach heaven. Amen. There is no other name. Amen. We see His definite answer in verse 25. He answered and said, Whether He be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Call that a definitive answer because you know what what kind of answer that is? That's the kind of answer that absolutely wraps things up. All the things you're telling me and all your little nitpicky arguments, all your little trying to tear here and trying to disassemble there and trying to put doubt here and all. He said, all that stuff, I I don't really understand all that stuff. I only understand one thing. I was blind, but now I see. And it was that man who made it happen. All their talking didn't mean anything in the light of what Jesus had done for him. Amen. We see their deliberations avoided in verse 26. They said to him, what, what did he do thee? How open he thine eyes? They've already asked him. They are grasping at straws, doing everything. You know what they're going to try to do? They're going to try to keep talking until they can plant some seed of doubt. Just keep deliberating. The Bible calls it vain and profane babblings, profane janglings, arguing about much, that there's no God in it. That's what the, the epistles tell us. And that's what they're going to try to do. Here's what he said in verse 27. I've told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? I bet they loved that. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, we are Moses' disciple. Verse 29, We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow we know not from whence he is. Look at verse 30. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Now this, this beggar has started preaching to the Pharisees. How is that possible? How come this blind man, this beggar, who has not been taught in the way of the Scriptures, right? He couldn't read. The Bible doesn't tell us that he was of the order of the Pharisees. He was a beggar. How does he know the things that he's saying right here? Imagine if you were born blind. In this day, there's no help for you. You're born that way. and Your parents are Jews. They know the God of heaven. And they know of... Miracles being done in the past, things, God doing miraculous things. Maybe not this particular miracle, but other things. There are stories of the dead being raised by Elisha. There's stories of, of things like that, fire falling from heaven, right? There's the stories of the, the brass serpent and Israel and all those things. And they, they come to the Pharisees and ask, How can we ask God to heal our baby? And here's what the Pharisees would have said. This child was born blind because of your sin. That's why the disciples said that in the first couple of verses. It wasn't because they were just wicked at heart. It's because that's what they believed. The Jews taught that if one was born with an infirmity like that, it was always, 100% of the time, because of sin in the child 
or the apparent. Well, this boy was born blind, so it couldn't have been his sin, right? So when the parents come to the Pharisees, it must have been, oh, well, you, you need to give sacrifices to God, and you need to pay to the, to the, to the, to the, to the temple and all those things because, because this child is born with this infirmity because of your sin. And that boy was raised with this understanding, I am the way I am because of sin. And no one can help me. How could this boy know that the only person who could heal the blind is someone sent from God? Because he knows the stories of those who did miraculous things in the, in, in their, in the Scriptures or the things he has heard, the stories. And it was always God's chosen men. You know what they told him? The only one who could ever help you is God. God's not going to help you because you're a sinner. That's the sort of message he would always have heard. God won't help you. God has judged you. But the only one who could help you is God. I mean, he's talking like an authority on the matter. You know how? Because he's heard it his whole life. He's heard his whole life. There's no hope for one like you. There's no hope for someone who's blind because no one's ever been healed, being born blind since. It says since the world began. There's no one who can help you but a worshiper of God that doeth His will. And God heareth not sinners. So if He would have come to the Pharisees and said, I want to pray that God will hear me, you know what they said? God won't hear you because you're a sinner. God heareth not sinners. God won't heal you because you're a sinner. And the only one who can help you is God. But this is the plight that you've been given because God is judging you and your parents. You might as well go ahead and accept your fate. And now, here he is, being given the 411, questioned up one side and down the other by the same guys who told him he could never be healed. And they refused to believe that the one who healed him was from God. You know what he says? Wait a minute. I thought the only one who could heal the blind is someone sent from God. Isn't that what y'all told me? Wait a minute, I thought God would not hear sinners and a blind man like me had never been healed and could never be healed. Isn't that what y'all told me? Will ye also be His disciples? Oh, you know they didn't like that. You know that got their hackles raised. Who did sin? This man or his parents, the disciples said, and now they're looking at him and they're saying, what are you going to do? They reviled him. Thou art his disciple. We are Moses' disciple. He said, well, you know what? The guy I'm following after, according to everything you've ever said, must be sent from God. And God has heard my prayer. And I, you think this man ever prayed, God, will you give me my sight? You think when he was a boy, he ever prayed, God, will you give me my sight? You think as a grown man, he never laid down and closed his eyes and in the same darkness that he lived throughout all of his life and said, God, will you give me my sight? And then one day, a man passed by and stopped and gave him the one thing he'd been asking God for his whole life. And now, those men who are supposed to be from God are telling him it couldn't have been God. Look at verse number 34. Verse 33, here's what the blind man said. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. He had more sense than the Pharisees. They dismissed him abruptly in verse 34. They answered and said to him, That was altogether born in sin. See that? They're wrong. If they think that he's blind because of sin. Dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. You know what they said? Who do you think you are? His deliverance was assured in verse 35. After they cast him out, the Lord came back to him. And when he found him, he said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? This man believed Jesus so much that Jesus could have told him anybody was the Son of God and he'd have believed it. Amen? He didn't know who Jesus was. He thought he was a prophet. He didn't know who the Son of God was. And here comes Jesus. He said, will you believe on the Son of God? The boy said, who is he, Lord? Tell me. Tell me who he is, and I will believe him because I'll believe anything you tell me to believe. That's how much faith he had. 
And the Lord looked at him and said, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a beautiful, wonderful story. Of how this man whose life was shrouded in darkness, not knowing what his future held, not knowing when someone was going to come along and drop a coin or kick him. Just waiting for the day that he finally died. Begging to feed himself. One day, suddenly, there appeared a light in his life. That's what Jesus said in the first couple of verses. I'm the light of the world as long as I'm in the world. And he brought light to the eyes of a man who had only ever seen darkness. Not only did he receive his physical sight, but then after receiving that physical sight, he then received spiritual sight. When he saw who the Son of God was and believed on Him. It's a wonderful story, right? I bet for the rest of his life he told everybody who'd give him an ear. Hey, did you know until I reached such and such age, I was blind? I'd never seen anything until one day a man came along and he gave me my sight. And you want to know who he was? He was the Son of God. What a story! Can you imagine the family reunions? Can you imagine when he run by somebody who used to live on his street growing up and they saw him and said, what, what happened to you? Well, let me tell you what happened. What he, you know what he got? You know what he got? He got saved. You know what else he got? A testimony. Amen? Of how he got saved. What a wonderful story. Now, let me just level with you. I've never been blind physically, but I have a testimony. I can tell you about the time when the Lord came to where I was, when He sought me out, when He drew me to Him, and He gave me sight. I can tell you, we sang Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That song was written by a man by the name of John Newton. In the 1700s, around 1725, he was born uh, to a captain of an English merchant ship. And while his father was out on a two or three year journey, his mother died of tuberculosis. It's said that his mother was a Christian, but she died when he was so young that that faith did not really carry on with him. His father remarried, and he was sent off to boarding schools. And by the time he reached adulthood, he had pretty much forgotten anything about his faith, about his, what he'd heard as a child, and he became... A, a wicked and vile man. The history tells us that he was a man of such debauchery that people would kick him off of their ships. They didn't want him around until one day he was captured and forced into their navy, almost like a slave. And he was traded from one ship to another until one day he got traded because he was basically worthless onto a slave driver's ship. And he began to work because he was a white man in the 1700s, he began to work in the slave trade. I mean, can you imagine a more evil thing for a man to do? To barter with the lives of human beings? And he began to see how that he could make money on this, and he became a slave trader. Until one day, he was on a ship taking a barge of slaves from Africa, and a great storm came by and it was said it was so bad that the man, the crewmate who was driving the, the boat was swept off into the ocean. And John Newton had to step up and drive the ship. History says it was an 11-hour journey in a storm the whole time. No breaks. With slaves on the ship and a few bare-bones men driving it saying, we're going to die out here. And it was there that John Newton remembered the faith of his mother, and he cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And after 11 hours, the sea calmed and the storm was calmed. Now, he did not go home and renounce every sin in his life and do all those things, but it was in that moment, like the song says, that he said it was that hour when he first believed. He went home, he shortly thereafter, he got married, he ended up getting out of the trade he was in just a few years later, and somewhere around 19, or excuse me, 17, and I believe it was uh, 64, he was ordained into the ministry and gave his life of service to God. This man who was a slave driver 
He was a debaucherous man who was wicked and ungodly, had settled down, he had married his childhood sweetheart, he had given his heart to the Lord, and in 1772, around December near Christmas time, where we would celebrate now, he sat down and he penned the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And he thought about how that, what a wretch he was, and the horrible things he had done. He said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. God used that man who was a slave driver, who became a child of God. He used him to help draft what would be the abolishing of slavery in their country in the early 1800s. God took a man who was only concerned with his flesh and his pocketbook, and He showed him the light and saved him and made him not only a man who, 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 would, who would serve Him, not only a man who would stop going out into a world of sin, not only a man who would stop being a slaver, but would then work actively against it, publishing pamphlets, describing the things that He had seen to help stop it. Not only that, but a man whom God would use to pin the words to probably the most well-known and memorized song of all time. And that song is about the grace of God. What's different? What was it in John Newton that made such a difference? That made him such an instrument for God? What was it in this blind man that made the difference? As we see on the stage, him and all the Pharisees, what is it that makes him different and them different? After that blind man had believed, in the latter verses of this chapter, the Lord Jesus looked at him, he said this, For judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and, he, and said unto him, Are we blind also? They said, and you, you can hear that, can't you? Mocking. Oh, are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. What's the difference in that blind man and those Pharisees? When they come in contact with the Lord, the blind man, all he could say was, I am blind. Can you help me? But when those Pharisees came in contact with the Lord, the only thing they would say is, we see clearly, we do not need your help. What's the difference? between that blind man? What's the difference between John Newton and those Pharisees? They knew they were blind. The Pharisees, they're like that church of Laodicea. They say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And God is looking at them and He's saying, you know it's not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Here's the truth. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Every soul on earth is born blind. Now that man, he was born physically blind. But all of us, when we're born, you know what we are? We are born in sin, aren't we? We're born that way. It doesn't matter. Look at me, we're, we're, we're closing right here. Listen. It doesn't matter who your mom is. Doesn't matter who your dad is. Doesn't matter if grandpa was a preacher. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. You know what matters? Who you are. Not who mom and dad were. Doesn't matter if you were born in a Christian home or if you were born in a home where it was as, just as wicked and full of sin as it could possibly be. Doesn't matter if you were born poor or if you were born wealthy. Every soul on earth is born blind. We cannot see the truth. We cannot see God. We cannot see the light. We are blind. We are not on the right path. We're lost. Every soul. I mean, look at me. I'm the poster boy 
were blessed. Can I just give you a little bit of my testimony? When I was born, my daddy was a preacher. My mom and dad got married about a year and a half or so before I was born. When I was born, my dad took a church, 19, 20 years old, pastor in a little country church called Corinth Baptist Church near LaRue County. He was there for two, three-ish years, something like that. When I was right around three years old, my dad had to leave that church. Just nothing real bad, just the time was up. The Lord told him to leave, and he did. And within a year, he started pastoring another church. He went into that church. I was going on four years old. I mean, the earliest memories I have are in church. When I was three years old, my parents got hit by a drunk driver, had a terrible car accident. I hit the door. There's nobody wore seatbelts back then. Amen. I've got a scar. When I get a haircut, you can see it comes down the back of my head right here where it split my scalp. You know what we were doing? We were coming back from a revival meeting. All my memories are about church. I was talking to, we was at a little family reunion yesterday. My cousin Tiffany was there. We were talking about somebody we graduated high school with. I said, to be honest, I can't remember 10 people I graduated with. I said, all the people I've kept in touch with are the people I've been in church with. That's been my life. Amen. I was at every youth meeting, every camp meeting, every revival. I was in Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, visitation, Wednesday night, the lock-in for the youth. I was at teen camp when I wasn't a teen because I was with the preacher who's preaching at teen camp. I mean, that's been my life. And when I was six, seven, eight years old, and the Lord began to reveal to me that I need to be saved, you know what I found out I was? Jace, blind. Not a Sunday school lesson I'd ever heard had put light in me. Not a message I'd ever heard preached had saved me. Not a single prayer. I, you know what? I, we prayed before sleep. We said our prayers. We said the blessing over the meal. And when I was a little boy, I would pray, God bless this food. And guess what? Not one of those things I'd ever done had put light in me. I was blind. And if I had stayed that way, it didn't matter. All the Sunday school, all the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the revivals, the praying, the singing, none of it. None of it gave me sight. You know what did? When I realized that if I didn't come to Him, and I didn't do just like that blind man and say, Lord, I believe that I would die blind. That I would leave this world lost. And that if I left this world like that, the only thing waiting for me was eternal darkness. Hell is a real place. And it's waiting for everyone who rejects God. Not those who sin. Everybody sins. Heaven will be full of sinners saved by grace. And God will wash that wicked flesh away and give them a new body. That's not what hell is. Hell is not for everybody that has sinned. Hell is for everybody who rejects the Son of God. So, Brother Paul, I joined the church. Amen. Brother Paul, I, you know, I, I give to the church. Amen. None of that will give you light. These little ones sitting in here, my daughter, five years old. When we pray over our meal, she wants to say the blessing. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. She wants to do it. And it does my heart good. And I love it. That won't give her light. The only thing that can give someone light is this understanding. I am a sinner. I am blind. I am lost. And the only thing that can wash my sins away is the blood of Jesus. The only thing that can give me sight is the healing hand of Jesus. The only thing that can take me from being lost to being found is coming into the loving embrace of Jesus Christ. That's it. Children, being in church won't save you. Only bowing on your knees and bowing your heart and saying, God, Lord, I believe. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made in salvation. Can you see that here? That man, he put his heart and his trust in Jesus and he with his mouth said, Lord, I believe. Have you done that?
What is your story? What is your story? Do you have a story like John 9? Say, well, I was never bought. No, no, not like that. Do you have a story like Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Or in your mind, do you think this? Well, I'm a pretty good person. I don't really need all this. I can see just fine. No, that's the testimony of the Pharisees. What's your testimony? Where do you stand? 1 John 1.8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth's not in us. But you know what verse 9 says? Thank God for verse 9. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can see. You can be healed. You can be forgiven. How? Confess. Not to me. Not to a priest. But to the God of heaven. Who came by that blind man. Healed him. And then after he healed him, went to him and said, Hey, do you believe on the Son of God? He said, Lord, you tell me who He is and I will. And he said, it's Him that's talking to you right now. And he said, Lord... I believe. Do you? Do you believe? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.